1: Alrighty, everyone. Welcome to the Barça Blog his podcast. My name is Josh. I am joined by Matt Wiltsey, our old friend at Managing Madrid. Matt, how are we doing today?
0: Hey, Josh. Uh, doing, doing all right. Obviously. Uh Still a little raw after that that result last night. And then over the weekend, it's been uh, two very poor performances. So, yeah, but overall doing all right. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing good. Um, you know, I thought I, I hadn't really been paying attention to Real Madrid all that much until uh, this morning and yesterday. And I, I thought this was going to be kind of like a, a Barcelona coming in after a draw, a loss. And then, you know, they beat some miserable team yesterday and uh and then it turns out real madrid are coming off back-to-back losses so i don't feel as bad about myself um what went wrong against so i think against Shakhtar, i think they were more so surprised but i kind of want to talk about the defensive efforts and specifically uh varan so obviously he had the own goal like whatever but how do you feel he performed without ramos next to him because i know usually um at least in my limited watching of Real Madrid, right? Like when Varane has Ramos next to him, I think he's at his best. How do you think he performed without him?
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously the sample size is is small, where he's mm-hmm. he's played without Sergio Ramos, but it, it hasn't been good. Um, the defensive unit overall was oh, just so poor yesterday. Marcelo and Militao honestly were... Just far, far below the level required to play for Real Madrid last night. And um, I think where Varane can be held culpable for that is he's got to become, he's got to step up and be the leader. I mean, he's, it's almost been 10 years of Varane at Real Madrid. He needs, he's worn the captain's armband for France. He needs, he's dubbed as a future captain of Real Madrid. He needs to prove that he can um, take hold of that center of defense. Turn them into a unit. Have them be a cohesive line of four because, oh my God, the lines last night were were just oh, it was a debacle. And I think um, that's that's where Varon needs to improve. But honestly, if if we're gonna call out performances from that back line, militao Tao and Marcelo were just oof, it was it was a night to forget for them.
1: Yeah, and so uh, Marcelo was my next question. You you tweeted about him. So how how do you really feel about his performance as of late?
0: so it's sad because you know i i'm sure barcelona fans can relate to this i mean you you have a legend on your books but he's not he and this has been the case for a number of seasons now he's not performed um to the level that is required and to the level we know that he formerly had his physical decline has been rapid i just think he no longer brings with marcelo you you never he was never out there for his defensive prowess right i mean we all know marcelo is not um going to be the most solid left back but he was out there because he could provide those overloads he can provide um that ingenuity he's just an x factor from the left back position he was kind of this all out attacking outlet we had who would come be that second wave of attack when uh you needed to break down a deep block and that just hasn't been there for for years now it's not i mean it's not just last night uh, it's not a bit overreaction to last night this has been years um and it, it's sad because this this is a guy we all we all love as real madrid fans and um, it, it's clear that he he's not he's not where he should be, and it's sad because we let a guy like Reguilón go to go to Spurs, um, and that's a player right there who has the Real Madrid ethos. He grew up in our academy, and we let him we let him go to Spurs. Obviously, we do have a buyback clause, but he's ready now. He's been ready. He should have never even been loaned to Sevilla. So that's that's where the fr- frustration is.
1: That's. It's weird to hear because I think just from like a casual Real Madrid perspective like Marcelo was someone that um, when you observe them they rely on so heavily offensively like I think when just casually watching again like in the when Real Madrid's offense has been flowing in recent years it has been um, like a significant portion of that's been due to Marcelo's ability on the outside to create and to cross in and so it's it's uh you know I'm surprised to hear that but I'm also not surprised because he's 32. And I guess you still sort of think of like you mentioned Varane had almost been at Real for 10 years, which is crazy because he's he's 27. And I think you still think of him as like the young future of Real Madrid, but he's like he he's the now of Real Madrid. And um Marcelo might be the past, like you said. So what in in the second half, because like obviously we talked about the defense and how poor it was. In the second half of the Shakhtar match, the comeback started, um When you think about the second half, who was more of a bright spot, the midfield or the attack? Uh,
0: um, I I do think it improved slightly in the second half. Um, That being said, there were still two... Guilt edge opportunities for Shakhtar where they could have. After we scored, Modric created something out of nothing and scored a goal, so brought it back to three one. But then Shakhtar had two opportunities to make it four one and then five one, and honestly, they should have scored. Um, and then the other goal for Real Madrid was from Vinicius, who won it after pressing an opponent high up the pitch, uh, came on his blind side, picked the ball, picked the, picked his pocket, and then and then put it away uh, clinically. So this yes we scored two goals and yes the comeback looked like it was on but we really didn't create that much we really we struggled so much against deep blocks it was the same thing against Cadiz and a, a lot of these La Liga teams now are very pragmatic and they're very um astute in their defensive approach and so Real Madrid just we don't have answers to that we don't we haven't been able to figure out how to get the attack going so if I had to point to one or the other I'd probably point to the midfield being a little bit better I think Modric improved his performance Fede Valverde um wasn't great offensively but he always puts in the effort and he had he was doing he's bursting along to press high up the pitch um and so I think those guys, Cruz, when he came in, wasn't wasn't poor. So I think the midfield was probably the better of the two.
1: Um, you mentioned the match on Saturday. So some of the stats from that match are just kind of mind blowing. They had seventy five percent possession. They had over six hundred passes. Their pass accuracy was pretty good. Um, they only had two shots on target. And so, is this is this more so a symptom of? They were looking ahead to the champions league and el Clasico, or is the kind of stagnant real madrid offense because i mean i'm looking at the starting lineups for that match and like benzema was out there junior was out there like their midfield was stacked is this a product of poor efficiency on the outside is this how do you see like the problems that real madrid are facing when they have that much possession like they're not creating chances like two shots on goal is crazy
0: yeah, and so, again, the issue, Cadiz played with a deep defensive block. Real Madrid had a ton of pos- possession, as you mentioned, but there was no... They played very conservative. the they, Zidane puts a lot of uh, emphasis on possession and retaining the ball, but I think there wasn't enough risk taken. Nobody looking to play that vertical ball. No one looking to play that incisive through pass. Uh, nobody taking their man on, Take. Breaking down a deep block just through the dribble, like that's Vinicius Junior to a T. That was Marcelo to a T, his former self. And those players, they they didn't they didn't take anybody on. They didn't look to break down the deep block. And so that's that's what you have. You have shots from outside the box. You have no clear cut opportunities. Um, and the biggest thing, Josh, the biggest thing from that match was the lack of movement in the final third. So it was so static. I mean, we Zidane and a lot of managers I've noticed across Europe are now doing this where they um, push their wingers up as high or sorry, their fullbacks as high as wingers um, and then have their wingers inverted into the right and left half space. So you basically have five attacking outlets up against uh, the opposition's defensive line. But when you do that, you need movement. They can't all just stand there. And literally, I kid you not, I sliced, uh, I put an article up for Managing Madrid, and I sliced multiple clips of just the team standing, literally standing or walking, no movement in the final third, and that that was our biggest issue.
1: So, can I just get a temperature check on uh, Thibaut Courtois? How is the uh, how's the Belgian doing? How are you feeling about him? How confident are you in him?
0: So Thibaut, I mean. Thiebaud's been great. Uh, He's been great since last season, Uh, great at the start of this season. He's already made some huge saves. Uh, My only gripe with Tebow is sometimes his distribution with his feet. Obviously, he's nowhere near the level of a guy like Ter Stegen. Um, And we do – I mean, Real Madrid does look to play out of the back and does look to utilize the goalkeeper. And sometimes he can be a liability there. I think you saw it against Manchester City as well in the Champions League where it really – um he and Veron just were not on the same wavelength and it, it hurt us um but other than that i mean he's been huge he's made some great saves he's really it, it, after that first year obviously there were doubts about him but he's um, found his role so don't trust him completely he's meshed into the squad he is without a doubt the number 1 and i think i mean he's right up there uh with Oblak and Ter Stegen as one of the best goalkeepers in the world
1: so, are you worried at all about the Champions League group? Um, so next, they play Mönchengladbach before playing Inter in back-to-back match days. Are you concerned at all, or is this just a blip? And you're glad the blip happened early on?
0: No, I'm very concerned. I was thinking about it last night. It's not unrealistic that the weekend comes, we lose to Barcelona, then the midday clash com- or midweek clash comes against uh, Mönchengladbach, and that's an away fixture and we lose that one as well for it. If we play like we played the past two games, that's four losses on the trot and serious jeopardy of not getting out of the Champions League group. Um, so that's not, Josh, that's not unfathomable. Well,
1: I mean, and even if, even if they beat Barcelona this weekend, right? Like you're looking at th- like I, the match is Saturday and then I think they have to travel to Gladbach on Tuesday. So the turnaround's yeah. crazy and you would expect like they're not going to rest people against Barcelona in the Classico. And so you'd expect either somewhat of a tired team or a rotated team team against Munchen and Gladbach and um, Munch and Gladbach looked good against Inter yesterday and so it's a little bit like, like you said I mean you don't foresee them even if like they get a draw or something you don't foresee them losing or in not making it out of the group but um, it is a little more concerning than you would expect and I, I think sure. I, I, I correct me if I'm wrong but in like the last Four years. I don't think Real Madrid has finished above second place in their group except for once, right?
0: Uh, I believe that's correct. I know the last two years it's been we finished second, and I believe the year before that was we were second as well, and we still won the Champions League.
1: Yeah, I think it was it was Spurs and then Dortmund, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. 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 So. Kind of finishing up, and we're going to keep it short, finishing up talking about the match this weekend. What are you most confident about Real Madrid heading into the Clásico?
0: So I think what's going to be different from this game from the previous two is Barcelona are not going to be in a deep block. They're not going to be in a low defensive deep block. So that's going to play to Real Madrid's strengths. And I think, I don't think, even though I probably would utilize this strategy is as a um, as a Real Madrid coach I would probably play on the counterattack in this match I don't think Zidane's going to do that I think he's going to want to press high and so I think it's going to be a chaotic match and I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities for both teams in transition and so I think that actually plays uh, it plays to both teams strength but probably a little bit more so to Real Madrid just because They've struggled so much against deep defensive blocks. I think it'll give them confidence to be able to create some more opportunities against Barcelona.
1: Well, in case you haven't heard, uh, the Johan Cruyff Barcelona are back. So um, (laughs) pretty intimidating squad. This is obviously like the first in Barcelona play Real Madrid and then play Juventus midweek. So we're going to know more about Ronald Koeman's Barcelona in a week than we've learned in the last month and a half. So what are you least confident in about your team heading into the match?
0: Uh, So least confident is just putting away our chances and mm-hmm. creating enough goal scoring opportunity. I, I said, there should be more opportunities created, but I'm still concerned. I mean, that's, it's what I told you was my concern. Uh, last year after, after the Clasico when we were saying it, hey, is Real Madrid favorites now? And I said, as long as Benzema can keep his form and we can uh, find enough goals. And fortunately for us, the lockdown happened at a good time because Benzema was starting to, uh, to um, tire out and not was getting without a form. And so then when he came back, obviously he had time to rest and was, was back to his best. So that's the biggest thing for me is just scoring goals. It's what this team has struggled with for years now.
1: Yeah. And I, I think like seeing how Real Madrid reacts to a more open played match against Barcelona is going to be super interesting because I think from the Barcelona side, like I'm not, I, I would say that I'm still scared of Real Madrid in open play, even though what the last ago was zero zero, right? Or am I forgetting?
0: No, that? uh two zero. Vinicius and Mariano.
1: So okay, zero zero was Bernabeu. the first classico last year.
0: Yeah, at the camp near. Okay, go. okay,
1: okay. Never mind. Um so before we let you go, I wanted to talk about uh, a, just like a personal favorite of of mine and a guy we chatted about last time. Um, so Gareth Bale finally made his way out of Real Madrid, back huh. to uh, back to Spurs. How do you feel? Like, are you happy he's gone? Are you happy to see him succeeding at Spurs and his, his short stint there? It's obviously too early to tell. Um, how do you feel about Gareth Bale?
0: The word I would use is relieved. Um, it just had come to such a boiling point that everyone needed fans, the club, Gareth. We just needed, it needed to part ways. Um, and so I'm relieved that it did. Um, he, I think, I think Sid Lowe put it best. He, he wrote an article and he said it something like, it was, it's sad that it, it came to this, but at the end of the day, it, it is relief for everyone. And, um it's just it's the Gareth Bale drama in that story it was just the strangest thing uh to happen to Real Madrid in, in many years. And just Bale's behavior, the club's behavior, how it all spiraled. I mean, it was just it was very, very strange, but I'm glad and relieved it's behind us.
1: And it's sad too because like when you If, you know, assuming Gareth Bale's career with Real Madrid is like officially over, he's done, whatever, blah, 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 like looking back at his time at the club, and it's impossible to separate how much he's worth in the controversy versus like what happened on the pitch. Um, But I think if you were able to, like if this were a guy who had played at Real Madrid, you know, outside of the current age of social media and controversy and stuff like that, you would evaluate him as like not maybe not like a club legend, but like someone who's like just like a very respectable player at the club who put in his time, like played well when he got the opportunity. But because he came in with such a high price tag and there was all the controversy around well he won't he leave for so many years, it doesn't taint his legacy, but it's like you can't help but think about it when you reflect back on his time at the club. Yeah.
0: No, I I agree. And I think you can never take away his, his goals and the especially the goals in the Champions League finals the Copa del Rey final um though you you'll never take that away and they're etched in the club's history but it it is true that there's been a sour taste left in everyone's mouth with with how things ended
1: is that his fault or is that more so on the club
0: personally i think it's it's his fault um and there's he, his behavior through this all, especially towards the end where he basically just gave up and didn't care and was very unprofessional. Um, I think that's what's left a lot of clubs or a lot of the fans and the club just just really unhappy with him. He, uh, You know, I, I always make the comparison to David Beckham. Beckham was exiled uh, and kind of scapegoated when Capello came in uh, for half a season. And instead of acting the way Gareth Bale did, he remained really professional, uh, worked really hard, just kept – he had to train on his own. He was forced to train on his own, just put his head down, didn't say anything to the media. His agent didn't say anything to the media. He just kept being professional. And then eventually Capello, it was crisis mode once again at Real Madrid. Capello had to let him – back into the team and he was instrumental the final six months in leading them to that crazy La Liga victory in uh, 2006, 2007. And he had already signed a pre-contract with LA Galaxy and Real Madrid had wanted to do anything in their power to try and make him stay again and uh, break that, break that contract. But again, he was, he's a professional. He wasn't going to do that. So I, I I make that comparison just because Gareth Bale was not a professional. He was, um, just I'm sure you've seen the images of him falling asleep on the bench, playing like goggles on the bench. Like he was leaving games early. He would leave games where we're tied at the Bernabeu where he wasn't involved. He would leave early. He wouldn't, after the classical victory, he was the only player that didn't go down to the dressing room to celebrate with the team. Um, The Wales golf Madrid. I mean, there's been so many different things that have happened and it's just, it was tiresome.
1: So, Let's just play the current economic situation for large football clubs doesn't exist. Next summer rolls around. Who is the person that you want to see move to Real Madrid? Like, who's the next big name?
0: I think we all know the answer to this. It's uh, Kylian Mbappe. Mm -hmm. He's long uh, long been followed and chased by Real Madrid. And as most madridistas will tell you, it's Kylian Mbappe's dream to play for Real Madrid. He's He's always wanted to play there. He's had the posters of Cristiano Ronaldo in his room. Yep, It's always been his team. Unai Emery admitted to it earlier this week saying he really wanted to go to Real Madrid, but we convinced him basically to stay in Paris, uh, his hometown, just to succeed here first. So I think it's not a question of if, it's a question of when. So hopefully uh, Real Madrid do have their finances in order. Um, amid this pandemic to be able to pull off a transfer like that.
1: Well, let's hope he stays there till he's 35 and injured. Um, <laughs> so just prediction time. What do you think is going to happen this weekend?
0: I mean, this is probably the most underwhelming I've felt ahead of a Classico for both teams. I, I just feel like both teams are so out of form and um, have not looked good at the start of the season. So I think there will be chances, but I don't know that each team will take them. So I'm going to go with a 1-1 one, one draw.
1: Yeah, that's, that's exactly what it feels <laughs> like. Like, I hope it's not a 0-0 zero, zero draw again. Um, yeah. I hope that there's some some goal scoring opportunities and some action taken, but it does feel like both teams. This classic is happening so early on in the season for both teams, like they're each each in different stages. Like obviously, Real Madrid don't have a new manager, but they're both still figure like kind of getting their sea legs out from underneath them, and both trying to figure out who they are this year. So um, yeah, I, I tend to go with you. Like I I wouldn't be surprised if one of the teams won 3-0, but I I'm expecting some sort of one one underwhelming um, underwhelming draw. So So um, everyone, be sure to check out the Managing Madrid podcast and managingmadrid.com. Matt, appreciate you joining me once again.
0: Hey, Josh. Thanks. Always a pleasure.